The Start On Demand. On Demand. The mayor of Morden has penned an open letter to the Reeve of LeBrokery to wake up regarding COVID. And the Justice Centre has filed a legal challenge. They're suing the province over the latest restrictions. We spoke to the lawyer in this case, and she had some rather interesting things to say about COVID-19. It's the big final push for Phil the Freightliner in support of Silo Mission. We've got important details on how you can make a valuable donation to help those in need. Giving thanks through Zoom and with beer. TransCanada Brewing gave away 25,000 cans of beer to healthcare workers on Thursday. And speaking of beer, what's your favorite beer commercial? I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling, who's back from vacation next week. And Loren McNabb, who's going on vacation next week. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. This is the Friday, December 11th podcast for The Start. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back on Monday, trading places with you, Loren, so to speak, in terms of one more week of vacation. Are you excited? I'm going to try to do something different this time. Yeah? I'm going to throw my phone in a snowbank. Oh, there's no snow. And I'm going to maybe get dressed every day. Oh. I'm just kidding. I usually do that every day, but not super early in the day. So I'm going to try like maybe a more wake up, recharge type thing. But I definitely, definitely need to power down, you know, like shut off the social medias and just take a break. So when you took your last week off, were you, you didn't or you weren't able to do that? I was able to get some rest for sure, but I find, you know, just in this business and being home and, and you're, I'm, I don't know if it's now just instinct to turn on the radio at 1230 to hear Rusin, you know, or if I'm in the car, I'll, I'll listen to what's happening at 1230. I just, it was very hard to unplug, right? And yeah. there always seems to be these announcements that are relative to what you're going through. And so like even the education announcement that came, I think it came when I was off the last time about how, you know, they're going to make some changes for remote learning. Uh, in the new year. So you're just, you know, everything is, everything impacts everyone right now. So it's hard to just say, I, I'm not going to pay attention. Yeah. I remember once uh, when I was first starting here, I guess it was probably my first couple of years and I had taken uh, a few days off, I guess I had a week of vacation or I don't know. And um, Bob Irving uh, later asked me, I guess uh, just upon my return, he asked me about something in sports. Do I have this in sports? And I said, oh, hey, thanks for the heads up. I, I didn't know that was happening right now. And he proceeded to to give me some wisdom. And when Bob Irving tells you something as a young broadcaster, you pay attention, right? Uh, and he says, you know, Brad, it's uh, if you're, you know, when you work in this business, it's your job to stay on top of things, even if you're not at work, if you're on vacation. And I took that to heart, but I, what I've come to learn over the years, even especially this year for me, is that I have to power down and, and just ignore the real world when I'm on, when I'm, when I'm off work, I'm just in my own little world because I, because I am an anxious person. And if I, fall down that rabbit hole and it's so easy to do that now on social media on twitter uh yeah i get overwhelmed so that's i that's my mental health check is to just 
ignore what's going on for a few days and watch my superhero movies and watch my Star Wars shows and eat pizza and eat fried chicken. And uh, and it, it last week it worked to a magnificent effect. I came back finally from a week off, actually like ready to come back to work. And uh, I, I haven't followed my own vow to get some sleep this week. <laughs> but the last week really did help. That's awesome. I'm happy to hear that. And I had said to you guys the last time, and we've had listeners text in this week even saying, you know, one of the biggest things they've learned this year is to take a break from social media. One list, one listener texted just a few days ago, Brett, right, to say the, the thing that she's done is to sh- actually get rid of all those apps on her phone so that she's not just scrolling mindlessly sometimes which was which is what it feels like and sure yes we're in an industry where we have to be aware but i think you know every once in a while you have to take a break and uh, i'm hoping to do that but hey if anyone has any tips i've received some great tips this week after i was talking about sleep from listeners with the different things they do to get to sleep so if anyone has any advice just to find a way to power off or is there like a time of day you could check in you know like put your phone away for a couple hours and do you check in, you know, twice in the vacation maybe? Or I, the only time I'm successful at this is if I'm away, away, like out of the country away. And there's a safe that I can lock my phone into. And that's usually what I do. And I leave it there for the week. So maybe I should just get a hotel safe and put it in my room. Yeah. And I, that's funny you mentioned that because I remember a couple of years ago in the summer, went out to a place called Barrier Bay Resort in the Seven Sisters area. I was there for a week. And the whole point was to go to this cottage and just enjoy a week. But of course, you know, I, I like play, goofing around on Instagram. So I wanted to document everything that was happening and put it into my Instagram story but I was having a hard time getting a signal for the most part. So I couldn't get a data signal, but my girlfriend at the time could. She was on a different provider, so she was having no problem, but I couldn't. I couldn't get on and upload my stuff, and it was driving me nuts. And I think I finally just put my phone down, and uh, I, I immediately felt better. So did how's the sleeping going, by the way? Are you getting more sleep this week? Ah, a little bit better. I don't know. What's better? You know, four hours to four and a half, five to five and a half. It's all fine. Yeah. It's all good. That's like what it I'm... is. It is what it is, which is that phrase we say we don't like. But yeah. yeah, like last night, I think it was eight, eight o'clock. And I thought I really should be going to bed. And then suddenly it's nine o'clock. And I think I really should go to bed. And then finally at 930, I went to bed and thought, ah, I'm going to regret this in the morning. But it's Friday and power through it. And by the way, Speaking of, uh, because the fact that it's Friday, Loren, if you'll have me, I have uh, a gift to deliver to you this weekend. So I could do that today, this afternoon, if you're around. Yeah, I should be. Where am I going? I don't know. I just in case. <laughs> you never know, right? I don't know. I, I, I don't want to assume that everybody's just, you know, either you still have things you might have to run well, out and do. I do have a pickup at Toad Hall Toys for their curbside pickup because we had them on earlier this week just talking about how busy they are, but they also were we were also talking to them about some of the, her favorite games. And so that sent me to their website and so I do have a pickup there. Hopefully the kids aren't listening because there's a few things on the list that I'm grabbing. Um but yes, every time we bring someone on, I'm led down a rabbit hole of purchases. <laughs> so that's positive for them. <laughs> well, I am curious to see what you are have in store at Toad Hall. And uh, speaking of rabbit hole. Can six- I tell you one thing? Yes. Totally, I'm, a, I'm like an eight-year-old. One was called Fart Cards. And I have no <laughs> idea what that is. But I was like, ah, oh, that seems funny. I don't know what the game is. So you got it? I don't know how. Oh, yeah. I don't know how it's played. <laughs> 
That's great. I can't wait to see what that's all about. <laughs> Fart cards. <laughs> I want some now, too. McGarry and McNabb-Mackling back next week. You know, traffic jams rarely put a smile on anyone's face. But if you found yourself stuck in some slow-moving traffic on Keniston near Sterling Lion yesterday, this will hopefully make you feel a little bit better about it. Yeah, apparently our text line was inundated with messages last night by the people saying, what's going on here? Well, it turns out that traffic jam right around rush hour was caused by a giveaway of free beer. With TransCanada Brewing Company, they hosted what they called a thank you to our healthcare heroes drive through of sorts. And so, of course, you had to be of legal age. And then you just had to show a valid healthcare ID and staff would safely pop in an eight-pack in the trunk of any healthcare worker. And in an email to CJOB, TransCanada actually says they handed out 35,000 cans of beer. The giveaway was apparently a success, and they're trying to brew another batch in hopes of a giveaway at a later date. And they are not the only ones getting creative with their thank yous. If you haven't seen the video of a group of Brandon University students giving a shout-out to their professor, head to cjob.com. It is awesome. As we know... Most university classes are online right now. In a video posted to Instagram, you can hear the music class wrapping up for the day. But then one student says, before we go, we would like to say thanks. And that's when all the students turn on their cameras, show their faces, and then hold up different signs with messages saying thank you to their professor. I think the rest of the class also has something to say. Brett, just as a sidebar here, we've had a couple of video conference calls per week, I think, since this pandemic started, and no, people rarely turn on their cameras for those. Am I wrong? Like, how often do you see someone actually showing their face on those calls? I never, well, I just phone in. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think we can dial in on Skype, uh, or you can just call in, and I always just phone in. So, like, I, it, it, I feel bad when the boss says, okay, uh, you know, for if you're on a computer, then uh, you can look at these slides that I've put together, and I'm just sitting there with my speaker, my phone on speaker on my coffee table or what have you. <laughs> yeah. I haven't even well, bothered I, trying to figure out how to get on Skype. I think that's the norm for many of these calls, and, I, you know, we've heard from professors and teachers, too, saying they try to do these visit video calls, but they, the connection is hard because people don't often turn on their camera, right, even for the class. And so even just seeing all the students' faces at once sounds like it was a special moment because that was a rarity. And then, of course, you can hear in that video that the professor, whose name is Greta Serres, well, she's reduced to tears. She's overwhelmed by these different signs that are posted up in front of the camera saying thanks. And one of her students, Alexandra Smale, says the moment was even overwhelming for them after months of basically trying to connect daily as best as they can on computers. We, all of us, absolutely adore her. And I think that's why my classmate, Avery Walker, saw that idea and sent it to us. We thought it was perfect for her because we just, she does so much for us and we wanted to do at least something small for her. As for that professor, as you can imagine, she's still feeling a little emotional. When I hear it again, my eyes are welling up. I simply, I just re-experience it again. I just feel all that love and the heartfelt warmth and all the lovely sentiments. It just hits me all over again, and I just feel another wave of love. These little things that make such a big difference, 
And, you know, in talking to the students after, it, you know, it was something that Avery Walker, who you heard speaking, uh, just decided to organize among the students, send out a quick email, and then all of a sudden everybody's participating. And, of course, it just, you know, it just took a few minutes. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a lot of time out of their day, but it is something that I will cherish and, and hold with me forever. So feel free to weigh in at 204-780-6868. What's the special way someone has said thank you to you? Or maybe you've been a part of a creative or special thank you for someone else. The mayor of the city of Morden has penned an open letter to the Reeve of LeBrokery, pleading with him to take COVID-19 more seriously. Brandon Burley contracted COVID-19 last month. And in a letter posted to his Facebook page last night, he not only shared more on the lingering effects of the virus, he asked the Reeve of LeBrokery, which is east of Steinbeck, to stop spreading misinformation about the virus. Now, we've heard and discussed so many times on the show, Brett, uh, many different emotions that have been shared over the course of this pandemic. But I think what has been relatively consistent is the messaging from Manitoba's political leaders. And for the most part, whether it is the mayor of a city like Morden or the mayor of Winnipeg or the premier, the messaging pretty much has been consistent and to take COVID seriously. And, and as we've heard over and over again, to do your part. But then last month, we shared with you the actions of La Brokery Reeve Lewis Weiss, who had spoken out at an anti-mask rally in Steinbach. And for that action, his own council actually filed a formal complaint with the province. They're still waiting for that response, but it seems Weiss isn't done. This week, the Steinbach Carillon, that's the newspaper in that region, it's reporting Weiss went on another tirade about the virus at a council meeting. Apparently, a resident called for his resignation, one of many to do so. And according to the paper, the LeBrokery Reeve delivered what the paper is calling a wide-ranging diatribe tribe in which he denied the existence of the COVID-19 pandemic, confused the novel coronavirus with influenza, and then cast doubt on the efficacy of vaccines. Just for a reference point, LeBrokery is about 160 kilometers east of Morden. So Morden, of course, is west of 75. LeBrokery is east of Steinbach, but they do share the same health district. And so that's why the Morden mayor says he felt he had to speak out and post this letter, Brett. So here's just a bit of what he had to say. I am the mayor of the city of Morden, a community in southern Manitoba which shares a health district with your own municipality. Over the past three weeks, my health has been significantly impacted by contracting COVID-19. I was one of the many who recovered, albeit with complications which persist until now. I know that COVID-19 is real and can have brutal and devastating effects on the lives of people. Every day for months now, I have tuned in to watch Dr. Rusin at 12.30 p.m. when the province updates its death tolls with a weight in my stomach at the thought that perhaps I may have lost a community member. While to date, I have had the great fortune of not losing constituents to this pandemic, I know that is not the case of your RM. In your region, COVID-19 carried a mortality rate in resolved cases of nearly 5% at some points in time. Consequently, I find your opposition to our shared best practices to be baffling. I'm writing, concerned by your continued misrepresentation of COVID-19 pandemic and opposition to best practices designed to contain the virus and common responses designed to effectively combat outbreaks and normalize our lives and economies. As a municipal leader, you have a duty to act in the best interest of your constituents and certainly to not imperil them through reckless and self-seeking behaviors. 
The Morton mayor goes on to say in his open letter to the Brokery Reeve, quote, this baseless rhetoric has been emboldened in your region and mine by this misinformation, replacing the charity, goodwill, and fidelity, which were some of the few lights in the darkness at the outset of this pandemic. Now, Brandon Burley also wrote in his letter that we must all hold our leaders to account for the response to COVID-19 and says there should be a review of all responses after the fact. But he ends by writing, this is a time for pulling together. Use your office for good. And so we'd like to know what listeners think about that letter and about just some of the misinformation that you've heard spread over the past few days, weeks, and even months. And and I and I will just say, I'm all for speaking out when we think we don't agree with something. And, and in fact, at 7.07, Brat, we're going to interview a Winnipeg lawyer with the Justice Centre, and she's representing a handful of Manitobans who are taking legal action against the province when it comes to some of these restrictions. I get we definitely aren't going to all agree with the actions taken during this pandemic, and we're going to learn as we go. And so as a result, I'm I'm all for pointing out that what I'm saying or thinking might be wrong and someone else pointing that out, but it has to be backed up with facts, right? So personally, here's how I feel about that letter that was written and about some of the things that are happening with that Labrocri Reeve. I want to listen to doctors, medical experts, you know, professors, immunologists, healthcare workers who are on the front lines experiencing this, people who have studied COVID, people who've had COVID, people who've lost loved ones to COVID, people with families and personal care homes. But I think the line that stands out for me most in that letter, Brett, was when the mayor of Morden says, as you know by now, your voice as a public servant is amplified in the public domain and it's being used to provide meritless assertions. And so that for me is the line. Our political leaders have to really know what they're talking about. And because they are in the public domain, we have to have faith in them. And they can't be walking around saying things that just aren't true. And to add on to that, the premier actually also spoke out about the reeve of Labrocri this week. And again, we're still waiting to hear if any action will be taken there because I'm curious to know if they can remove him from council or what, what actions might be taken. But the premier actually also said to him when asked about this earlier this week he said sir we live in the red river valley it is flat between you and i but the world is not flat you need to understand there's a real epidemic out there it's a pandemic and people in your area are getting covid too and so there's a responsibility here to 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 be thoughtful in what you're saying it's not just the same as someone like you were not you know average winnipegger going on facebook with it with rhetoric he's a leader and he needs to lead his people through these times this producer kyle it's uh, the replacements i just googled it and found it it's a it's a catchy song i said to kyle <laughs> instead of the usual music we play just please find some funny song about beer and uh, oh. producer kyle has come through bravo to you sir and indeed we're talking about beer because of that trans canada brewing situation where they gave away thirty-five thousand cans of beer to healthcare workers yesterday and uh that caused a bit of a traffic jam on keniston so we want to talk about beer in a fun way in a responsible way your favorite beer commercials or if you want to just weigh in with your favorite beer you can go ahead and do that too like for example my current favorite beer of the moment is in your neck of the woods kelly it's a beer made specifically for transcona it's at a place called the beer boutique on regent and they've partnered up with a local brewery called vessel and they've created what they call the local motive which it's a pale ale i think they should have called it the local motive 
rail ale. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's good. And they, it comes in pre-filled uh, howlers and growlers. It's quite refreshing. So yeah. Oh, going to have to get some of that. Yeah, it's really good. But let's go around the horn here. We've got Kelly Moore. Skylar Peters in for JB. Jeff Braun, are you there, Skylar? You betcha. Why don't we start with you, sir? Favorite beer commercial. You got one? Uh, well, you said uh, in our emails this morning that yours was a Budweiser commercial. Mm-hmm. And I know there's like 8 million Budweiser commercials. But mine's got to be the... Uh, that that one's an absolute classic i think it was like kind of before my time or at least like before i was really watching tv but uh it's been on the internet forever so that yeah that's like my probably the first one i remember it's still my most memorable (laughs) (laughs) okay hang on a second before your time how old are you 23 Okay, yeah, that commercial, I think, debuted in 1999. What year were you born? Uh, 97, so I was two. It wasn't, uh, wasn't legal drinking age, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, fine, fair enough. Before your time, thanks for making us feel old. Producer Kyle, let's go to you. Um, it was a pretty big uh, campaign. I'll just play a few seconds of it for you. You'll probably recognize it. Where's your two, gay? <laughs> New dude beauty. <laughs> The I, the I am Canadian series, and of course, the response from the guy is the most Canadian thing possible, which is to jersey the guy. So, which is it's what you do when you're Canadian. So, that was a really famous uh, campaign ad, and I like that one specifically. Any anytime we can get a good ribbing in as uh, Canadians is is fun. Yeah, I forgot about that one. That's great <laughs> stuff, Kelly. What about you? Well, I I. I unintentionally have localized something here from, uh, you know, my BC days, but there is a backstory to this particular beer. I don't know if O'Keefe's Extra Old Stock ever made it its way to the prairies, but this was a beer that was very popular out west back in the early 80s. And our youngest daughter, she was an infant at that time, and she'd be in her walker. And we had this little 13-inch black and white TV that was, you know how you have the cement blocks and you've got the, you know, the pieces of wood to act as shelves. Anyway, we had our black and white TV on that. Wherever she was in the house, all of a sudden you would hear the rollers of that walker scream into the TV. She'd be right up to it. And as soon as that, you know, as soon as she heard that jingle, once the commercial was over, bam, gone. Until the next time it was on. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't know what the, you know, what the attraction was there, but she heard that jingle and she was in front of that TV just like that. Did she go on to enjoy the beer as a, as an adult? Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't know about it. I don't know about O'Keefe's extra old stock, but okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's funny how kids uh, run to the TV for for commercials. I used to, my sister and I would come running anytime Ronald McDonald and the Hamburglar and all those oh, yeah. guys came on TV. Loren, what about you? Well, uh, I have I have kind of two, and here's why. I don't know, and I couldn't find a video to make this play, but do you remember the one where it was Canada is the second largest landmass, the first nation of hockey, and the best part of North America? My name is Joe, yeah, and I, I am Canadian. Am Canadian. So yeah. that plays off what Kyle was just talking about, the Molson Canadian campaign. And the reason why that makes me laugh, that ad, is because in my first year at Global, I think that ad came out, and Joe actually toured the country for Canada today. Like, he did, like, four different stops on Canada Day and he was in Osborne Village and his entire job was to get up on the stage say that speech and then leave and go on to the next town and people stood there and watched that 
And it's so bizarre to me that this commercial turned into sort of that kind of pop culture phenomenon. But still, the the ad and the beer do not go together. And then, of course, if I'm just going to mention, I have to always bring it back to Minidosa Brett. You know that. Yes. And Budweiser did the Clydesdale horses. And the Ferguson family in Minidosa, their horses were featured in one of the Budweiser ads years ago. Cool. And so I just have to give a shout out to that because those horses are sort of, of course, synonymous with the whole brand. Again, not a great beer. Well, and that ties into my commercial from 2013 from the Super Bowl in 2013. It's the landslide commercial where they show the guy raising this little Clydesdale on the farm and, being, you know, they're horsing around and having fun. And then the, the horse gets put on the Budweiser truck and off he goes. And then it jumps ahead three years and he's looking at the paper and it says Budweiser Clydesdale's coming to Chicago. So he goes to this parade and the Bud, the Clydesdales go by and he's right in front and he's hoping that his old friend will recognize him and the horses walk by and, and nothing happens and he kind of sheepishly puts his head down, probably thinking like as if he's going to recognize me, he's a horse. And then he's, as he's getting into his car... The horse comes running. It broke free from the from the group and came running, and they, they stop as the music landslide is playing. And the first time I watched this commercial, it made me cry like a baby. It still makes me well up whenever I watch it, and it makes me mad because it's Budweiser, and I hate Budweiser beer. I just hate it. But their marketing department is amazing, and I love, love, love this commercial. So text us your favorite beer commercials. We'll share some of them throughout the show here on 680 CJOB. McGarry and McNabb mackling back next week. Heads up next half hour, even though Jeff Braun isn't here, so the couch potatoes can't fully assemble. Producer Kyle, honorary couch potato, is going to step in, and we're going to try to break down some of the just an absolute avalanche of announcements from Disney yesterday concerning Marvel and Star Wars and a new Sister Act movie. We'll get into that in our next Ooh, half. really? Yeah. There's I gonna don't be know another... why that had me excited, the Sister Act, because I think the second or third one were terrible. Yeah, they're making another Sister Act with Whoopi Goldberg, so we'll get into some of that in our next half hour. Last half hour, we read some of the letter from the mayor of Morden to the Reeve of La Brokerie, to which uh, Audrey responded by saying the Morden mayor is an extremely erudite writer. Ama- amazing letter. And uh, gold star to you, Audrey, by the way, for using the word erudite in a text message. Uh, erudite, defined as having or showing great knowledge or learning. Just wanted to acknowledge that. But that kind of ties into what we're about to discuss here as the Manitoba government, Loren, is being taken to court over its latest round of restrictions. Yeah, this comes from the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, and they filed paperwork in court yesterday on behalf of a Manitoban who was fined for attending an anti-mask rally on behalf of seven churches, a minister, and the owners of a restaurant in Winkler, and they're challenging these restrictions that Manitobans are currently under. And Alison Pajovic is one of the lawyers with the center and joins us now. Good morning, Alison. Good morning. We've had various rounds of, of restrictions, level orange, yellow, red, throughout the past eight or nine months. So I have to ask, why now? Why now go to court? Well, the restrictions are, are not going away. And, you know, we've had uh, enough time now to look at the data that has come in uh, since um, February and March and look at the, the death rates and uh, we're able to sort of an- analyze the decisions that have been made and, and look at look to see whether there are there could have been any other ways to respond to the pandemic other than the way that the province has chosen. 
and we have information and evidence that we're collecting uh, to show that there there is another way, uh, and and we'd like to flush that out with the court. And specifically, uh, we're referring to something called the Great Barrington Declaration, uh, which is a declaration um, which was an initiative signed by 45,000 uh, doctors and physicians, spearheaded by a Harvard uh, Harvard professor scientist also from Stanford and Oxford University. And what they've uh, recommended is that instead of locking down healthy populations, uh, the alternate way is to isolate the sick and vulnerable and to allow the rest of society to continue on. And that's called focused protection. So when we're looking at the measures that have been brought in uh, under this government, uh, we're saying, uh, you know, why, why wasn't that... Uh, avenue considered? Uh, did you consider it? And why didn't you go with that? And uh, we, we'd like to know, and we want the public to know, uh, why we had to lock down everyone who's healthy as opposed to just isolating the sick when we have these professionals who suggested this other way, which would have saved the economy. You, you have saved, some uh, professionals suggesting another way. There's also been, you know, 12,000 frontline infectious diseases scientists and public health experts who've strongly denounced that Barrington Declaration that you've just referenced. And so there's been an overwhelming amount of science, Allison, if we're going to take the science route and the legal argument that says that's not the case, that these restrictions are necessary and that, that anything otherwise is dangerous. Well, you know, and that's what has to be flushed out for the court, because as far as we've gone so far, we, we've gone in, in one direction, and that's the direction that, that we're facing with all these restrictions with no pushback. And so we're pushing back with this lawsuit. And we would like to present evidence to the court to the contrary and have the court adjudicate these issues because these are really important issues that are affecting everyone that are causing uh, increases in suicides and devastation to businesses, increases in domestic violence. And uh, really, there has been no line in the sand for how far the province has been able to go with these restrictions. So we feel it's really important to push back now and get some of that evidence before court so that society can really uh, understand how far governments are allowed to go in imposing these kinds of restrictions. And the only way to do that is to hear from uh, a fair and independent uh, judge. The Justice Centre has launched legal challenges in other provinces in relation to the, this pandemic. Have any been successful? Uh, well, we haven't gotten that far yet. Uh, we're, uh, we've filed an application for an injunction in Alberta, and uh, that's moving forward next week. So uh, we'll have to report back to you at that time. I know that, you know, we had uh, Springs Church try to go... Uh, go to court over this public health order last week and and they were denied and I know that there are businesses that are frustrated and I appreciate that and we've had listeners suggest you know that that maybe it's time to push back against some of the restrictions but what would you say to those Allison who think going to court right now at a time like this when you know we're trying to beat back this COVID-19 that this isn't helpful that if the goal is to keep people at home then the restrictions are necessary and this type of action is not necessary right now is not helpful to go to court and fight this what would you say to those well i mean what we're looking at is the data and i can tell you that the data from statistics canada uh, from january to august shows that the death rate in canada has actually decreased from last from last year and the year before and so when we hear that there's this pandemic in canada and everyone has to basically be on almost 
almost house arrest, really. You can't really do too much, at least in Manitoba at this point. Uh, you know, we can barely get, I can barely get into the grocery store to stand in a long lineup. Uh, you know, all the, all the restaurants are closed. Most of the stores are closed. And when you're, when you hear the word pandemic, uh, you think that the death rate would be uh, increasing exponentially, but uh, that's not the case. Last year, between January and August, uh, 190,300 people uh, died. And then this year, during that same time period, it was 186,690. So, you know, with that kind of evidence, uh, we, we want a court to look at that and say, wait a minute, uh, what, what's going on here? We, we thought we were in a pandemic where we'd see excess death. Well, you also have less people on the road, less people going out and doing things. There's all sorts of reasons that could be impacting that death rate. The fact remains that you also have an overwhelming number of scientists saying that this is something very real and we need to take it seriously. Allison, you're, you're off to court with this one, so you'll fight it there. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. McGarry and McNabb mackling back on Monday. Coming up after Global News at 8 o'clock, fill the Freightliner. The big push is this weekend for Silo Mission. We're going to speak to Ken Talbot, who is president of Trans Solutions Truck Centre in Winnipeg. This is a huge event every year that takes place in the parking lot of Boston Pizza on Keniston. It's a big event for all three radio stations, 680 CJOB, Peggy at 99.1 and Power 97. And of course, we can't do that this year uh, because it's an event where people will come in droves and just fill up these massive semi-trailers. It started as Fill the Freight Liner, but it really became Fill the Freight Liners, uh, raising funds and and bringing people bringing bags and bags of clothes and stuff for Silo Mission. So they're having to do it differently this year. After 8 o'clock, we'll tell you how you can help and help them raise some much-needed funds for Silo Mission. Also, before we get into what we usually do at this time, I just want to quickly ad- readdress what we did in our last half hour because we're getting messages like this one from Lynn, who reached out to us on Instagram, uh, by the way, at 680CJOB. And Lynn says, why would you interview this person? Uh, So I want to address that. Just to recap, Loren, who did we speak to at uh, 707? Yeah, we spoke to Alison Pajorovich, and she's with the Justice Center, the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. And they filed a number of different lawsuits in different provinces over the past few weeks and months, challenging some of the restrictions in place. And they just put a legal challenge forward in court this week against the Manitoba government on behalf of a couple of churches. I think there's seven churches, a pastor, somebody who was fined for attending a protest, an anti-mask rally. And then there was also a restaurant in Winkler that is on this constitutional challenge. And so we brought them on because they're now taking the government to court. And so uh, it was an interesting interview because, you know, I thought there might be some arguments made on the constitutional front about why they feel like this is not fair under the current laws. And uh, our guest, who is a lawyer for the Justice Center, came on and made a lot of uh, medical arguments about what she's been reading and the data that they're going to present in court when it comes to the science behind COVID. And so we had them on because this is happening. There's now pushback happening. And so that's in part why we're talking about it. And there's also pushback on the numbers she she was using, some of the data she was using, and even pushback on some of the pushback I gave her on the data she's using, Brett. So we bring that person on because the legal challenges are now happening the same way the legal challenge was filed last week from the 
point of view of the church on the restrictions, uh, it's now happening in other facets as well. And so there's room for conversation there. Yes, indeed. And that's that this is a news slash talk radio station and we can't just cherry pick you know one side of an issue we we get pushback all the time from listeners saying why don't you talk to this person who has this viewpoint or why don't you talk to that person you're just you're just pushing an agenda well this is happening as you pointed out it's a legal challenge i think it's very noteworthy and i you know i i personally enjoyed listening to the conversation especially your pushback this is why you're such a valuable member of our team loren you're the journalist of the of the group you're the person with all the facts and stuff and the fact that you can just draw on all of that like it's like a machine gun at times. Uh, I don't know how you pull out and like store all of that information. So I thought it was a good segment. I enjoyed listening to it just as a fan of radio. But yes, we want... And the, also... We get messages every day from people who are on that side of the issue. Like one listener texted us at 645 saying, I stand with Lewis, as in uh, Lewis Weiss, the Reeve and LeBrokery. So we just wanted to have a conversation. So if you want to hear it, if you missed it, you'll be able to hear it in our audio vault at cjob.com just after 8 o'clock because it reloads each, it loads up an hour at a time. So at 8 o'clock, you'll be able to go in and hear it, and we'll make sure it gets thrown into the podcast as well. And one more note. I think when it comes to the you know the data that people are using, this is going to get argued in court, and we'll leave it for that. And and I did say at six thirty when we talked about that Reeve and Labrocery and and the letter that was penned by the mayor of Morden to that Reeve because the Morden mayor has is recovering from COVID and is concerned with some of the misinformation that's being spread. Is that you, you really do have to not just cherry pick, not just the guests that we talk about, but don't just cherry pick the numbers. And so there was some pushback on some of the numbers being presented because she's she was pointing to the fact that the death right in Canada right now. The the death toll in Canada right now is lower this year than it was last year, even though we're in the midst of a pandemic. And I said, I wanted to point out that, yes, the bat, the numbers you're using only go to the end of August. So we're not even including September, October, November, the second wave. We also have more people at home, fewer people in their cars, all sorts of different things going on. And so app, numbers are really hard to use. It's not apples to apples all the time. And people need to just keep that in mind. And as always, Brett, Push back on me. That's what I'm here for. Just keep it respectful. Email McNabb at CJOB.com or you can email ah, me. Don't give up my email number. <laughs> <laughs> Push back, but don't call me. <laughs> you can also email me, Brett at CJOB.com. Or, of course, you can shoot us a text, 204-780-6868. All right, it's Friday just after 7.30, which means what? Producer Kyle, do you have some music for us? Let's see if he's a better musician than Fortier. No. It's been a while since I've heard this one, though. Producer Kyle goes to the same uh, music school as Forte. Now, I don't know about you, Producer Kyle. And Jeff Braun's not here, by the way. But uh, Kyle is going to stand in as uh, co-host of the Couch Potatoes for this segment. I don't know about you, but man, when I was going through Twitter last night, looking at all the news that Disney was rolling out, this was the sound of my brain. It was insane. So I'm just going to... Jason Nathanson, in 30 seconds, attempts to summarize what happened, and then we'll talk about it. Do you like Star Wars and Marvel? Then you're in luck. 
2020. New Star Wars and Marvel series coming to the streaming service Disney+. Plus. That's just one of many announcements. Disney, the parent company of ABC News, made during Thursday's Investor Day presentation. There's also a new Sister Act movie coming starring Whoopi Goldberg, a Moana series, several movies including Pinocchio skipping theaters for Disney+, Plus, and Black Panther 2 won't recast the lead role after the death of star Chadwick Boseman. The script is being written. To pay for all this, Disney Plus is raising prices a dollar starting in March. Jason Nathanson, ABC News, Hollywood. All right, so I'm going to give you the unenviable task. Where do we start? My goodness. Yeah, I mean, I when I saw this, I'm like, 20? I can't possibly, you know, figure out what I want out of this. I think the main one, I don't know the main one, the one I was most drawn to uh, was Star Wars Andor. Uh, it's sort of like a spin, it's a prequel to Rogue One my favorite uh, Star Wars movie of the new generations. Um, yeah, it stars Cassian uh, Andor, and it's just like a, it's before the events of Rogue One, because if you know the events of Rogue One, there's no sequel to be had for that, um, at least from Cassian Andor's um, aspect. But yeah, that's going to be a good one. There's a bun- another one that I'm really curious about, which is a, uh, a Lando Calrissian uh, event series, as they call it. Now, I'm curious if they're going to use Billy D. Williams or Donald Glover for okay. that, yeah. or somebody new. There's always that. And um, if you watch the recent, a, a recent episode of The Mandalorian, uh, Rosario Dawson was in it, and she's getting her own spinoff from her character, and that'll be also very good. Um, it's, it's, it's Ash Ahsoka? I can't pronounce the name. Uh, <laughs> I, or I didn't try to pronounce the name before. Um, yeah, a lot of Star Wars stuff, and it all looks at least somewhat good. I'm hoping it's not going to be all the same. I mean, there's so many shows they'll be able to kind of do different types of shows right you know because they don't want to all just be like the mandalorian but not quite as good you know yeah the mandalorian is excellent tv and i can't wait to get home today to watch the latest episode of that yeah they they roll out the new episodes every friday but yeah it was it was nuts for me on the star wars side i was very excited about the obi-wan kenobi six episode series that's going to see ewan mcgregor reprise the role he played obi-wan kenobi in the much maligned prequels and Hayden Christensen, a.k.a. Mannequin Skywalker, (laughs) is going to reprise his role as Darth Vader, and they are set to have the rematch of rematches. So I think that's exciting. And just on a a personal note for him, I'm excited for him and a chance chance at redemption because, you know, those movies were so badly directed, and he just, with some proper coaching from a director who actually cared about not just the visuals but the uh, the craft of the film uh, because George Lucas was so, uh, you know, he just was obsessed with the digital component of it that he forgot that, you know, you still have to direct your actors. And, and I think Hayden Christensen with some, some guidance could have been much better as Anakin Skywalker. So I hopefully he gets the redemption he needs. That's going to be cool to see them fight. That's just the star Wars side. We could get into the Marvel stuff and Loren, they mentioned a sister act. So that's exciting. And a series based on Moana. Have you ever seen uh, that movie? Oh yeah. Yeah. Moana is a fantastic animated film uh, for kids and adults, and it's got The Rock. Yes. So what's not to love about that? Yeah, I love that movie. And the, the great thing about those Disney movies, those animated movies, too, and I, I kick myself every time they they announce a new movie. I say, okay, got to go see that on the big screen because they're usually in 3D, and animated movies I find are the best in 3D. The visuals are always so spectacular, and then I don't go see it, and I wonder why didn't I go see it? I know I would love them. I love every single one of those movies that comes out. The latest one, Soul, is going to be debuting on Disney Plus uh, later this month, by the way. Therefore, they decided to skip the theatrical release and, and drop it on Disney Plus. So we'll have to check that one out.
Loren, what we're about to discuss involves what is typically one of the biggest events of the year for this radio station and our sibling stations, Peggy at 99.1 and Power 97. And we're Silo Mission, where Manitobans come out in droves to the parking lot at Boston Pizza on Keniston with just an outpouring of amazing generosity. Can't do that this year, of course, but that doesn't mean we can't still help. Which is where all of us come in, and you, our listener family, you've been so generous over the years with this initiative, and we want you to continue to help us to fill the Frightliner and raise funds for Silo Mission. And so we're pleased now to be joined by Ken Talbot, who's the president and co-finder of Trans Solutions Truck Center in Winnipeg, who are working so hard on this event. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you. And this weekend is, is the final push. This is such a great initiative. How's it been going so far? It has been going, uh, actually, it's going very, very well. We're, um, we initially set a goal, not kind of understanding what was going to be uh, and how the, how the uh, response would be, and we set a goal and we achieved it. And then uh, we set another goal, and we've since, uh, as of yesterday, we've achieved that. We're over $100,000 now in uh, in gifts so oh my wow and you're and you're this is this is the big weekend too so who yeah, knows this is the push <laughs> so now if a financial donation doesn't work and that's awesome that you've raised so much money already but if a financial donation doesn't work for somebody this year are there other kinds of donations that can be made um as you guys do you know the knickers and kickers program and they're looking for new unwrapped you know socks underwear um, PPE equipment, which we've had a, an outpouring of, you know, a lot of people overstocked on the hand sanitizers and the masks and things, and they're really reaching out and helping out the mission with giving them some of those. Um, we've been, uh, you know, new uh, non-perishable food is certainly welcomed. Um, you can deliver it here, or you can take it right down to the mission at Princess Street and let the shipping or receiving people know that you're there to help fill the freight liner. So pleased to hear how things are going, Ken, and that you're, you know, past that $100,000 mark. What's the goal for the end of the weekend? Well, I said yesterday when we were on uh, one of your sister stations, I said to the folks at Power, I said, why don't we uh, set the goal for the end of the weekend at 150 and let's see how we do. <laughs> why not? Uh, why do you guys do this? Why do you get involved? What does Silo mean to you in terms of just your efforts here to try to help them out with the with raising these funds this year, Ken? Well, it, this is our this is our fifth year working with uh, Silo Mission, and um, the fourth year with your group, and we've really taken this thing to a new level. The reason for Silo Mission is because there's just such a need, and the need's growing, and and this year especially the need's evolving and changing. And what we really like about the Silo Mission is that it they don't only give a hand out, they give a hand up as well. You know, they're they're there for education and training and they, they do it in a in a very dignified way and you know, they really it, it it's making the absolute best of a really tough situation. And in terms of what you raised last year, like do you recall what was donated yep. last year? We did uh, two full truckloads. Uh, one full truck of clothing, one full truck of food, and then uh, we did uh, about fifty-four thousand dollars. Wow! So, and and that was in a day. So uh, here's hoping that we can, you know, maybe we can get another fifty this weekend. What do you think? Maybe, I think it would be fantastic. I think that would be great, and let's let's do it, uh, Manitoba. Let's bring it to one hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars. And Mike, 
Uh, uh, sorry, Ken, for those who are I'm texting with a mic uh, before this, so I apologize <laughs> okay. about trying to bring him on for later. So I've got all these names in my head. But I, more than that, I've got all these Manitobans I'm thinking of in my head, Ken. And, well, and the generosity this year has been just incredible, considering all so many are going through. There's been so many struggles for many. And yet here yeah. we are proving yet again how yeah. giving we can be. We are an incredibly uh, generous bunch when we need to be, and it's it's fantastic. And it's been great that uh, a lot of people, you know, I can't even single one person or one group out. Everybody um, has has done, you know, whether it's a $50 donation or a $5,000 donation, um, it's, it's all going to the bottom line, and it's really, really helping out. And with the mission, $1 gets them at least $3 worth of return, so the cash really is important. It can go a long, long way with the incredible buying power they have down there. So, uh, you know, I just thank everybody for helping out. And, uh, man, I, the generosity is overwhelming, and I appreciate it so much. Well, can we salute you for, for going ahead and, and doing this this way this year? Because obviously you can't have the event that you normally do, which is such a wonderful event, you know, you, you and it your staff. It is fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's that's the the best way to describe it. It's a fun event. It's almost like the it's it can be seen almost as like an unofficial kickoff to the to the Christmas season, so to speak. Yeah, because yeah. it's usually the first weekend of December, I think. At least yeah, it's the, like family day at Boston Pizza there because it's kids and adults and moms and dads, and it's just it, you know, and that's how we're teaching our future generation about philanthropy. We've involved a lot of the kids from dealership, you know, from the family here at Freightliner. And their and their kids are coming out now, and uh, that's a great lesson to teach. Well, can we an infectious thing, hey Ken? Oh, it is indeed. It is indeed. Can we appreciate uh, your what you're doing here? We appreciate uh, your partnership with us, and thanks for joining us this morning. We appreciate your time. Hey, thank you guys, and you have a great day. And if you can think of anybody, spread the word this weekend. Let's see what we can close it out at. All right, Ken, Ken Talbot is president of Transolutions Truck Centers. Now the website. From now until Sunday, siloam.ca slash Freightliner to make a donation. Or if you would rather help them check off some items, they have a Siloam wish list. You can get information to that. You can get access to that. Uh, just go to cjob.com for the link to that. We've got it all there. If you just Google CJOB, fill the Freightliner, you will find it. So once again, Transolutions Truck Centers, raising funds for Siloam Mission. Help us, Peggy at 99.1 and Power 97. Get that goal up to $150,000 this weekend. McGarry McNabb, Mackling, back on Monday. Traffic jams rarely put a smile on anyone's face. But if you found yourself stuck in some slow-moving traffic on Keniston, near Sterling Lion yesterday, this will hopefully make you feel a little better. Yeah, that was right around the rush hour, and you might be happy to know the traffic jam was caused by a giveaway of free beer with TransCanada Brewing Company hosting a thank you to our healthcare heroes. All you had to do is show up with a valid healthcare ID, and staff would safely pop an eight-pack in your trunk. And so we wanted to hear more about how this all came about. We're joined now by Mike Raftis with the TransCanada Brewing Company. Good morning, Mike. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for what you're doing. Uh, describe what the scene was like there yesterday. I'm picturing a nonstop flow of traffic, but what was it like on the ground? Yeah, it, it was uh, it was a little bit of chaos for sure. Uh, we never would have thought that we would have caused a, a traffic jam from our brewery um, at 1290 Keniston all the way to the Grant. So uh, it was nonstop from 
7.30 in the morning to 9 o'clock at night. Where did this idea come from? Um, yeah, we've just been uh, sitting down as a team. I mean, we're all in this together, uh, this pandemic, and uh, we're looking for ways um, to kind of give back to the community and, you know, local supporting local. Uh, we've had tremendous support, and, hey, we thought what better way than to give a thank you to those uh, healthcare workers that are uh, giving it their all every day. I know there's been some challenges for uh, breweries, Mike, through this pandemic as well. And some of the beer has to get tossed because it can only sit on the shelves for so long. So was this a batch of beer that might have ended up down the sink anyway? Or was this a special batch of beer for the healthcare workers? How did it work? Um, it was an existing batch that we already did. Um, you know, I don't know what would have happened to it. But I guess, um, you know, we've learned our lesson from the first wave of the pandemic. I made a decision as a team just to increase our production to give us flexibility to um, kind of do some of these initiatives like this and also serve our customers. So it, it's all of an unknown. So we're fortunate that we did have um, a good supply of beer and, and just made a decision to uh, allocate some of that to this cause. Are you going to brew more? Um, yeah, we're, we're planning, uh, you know, discussions of planning to brew more. Um, you know, we're, we're still digesting what happened and, and, and kind of this uh, – you know, if we're going to try to reach some of the folks that we didn't get to this time around and, and kind of regroup as a team and, and see what the next steps are. And again, how much was given away, Mike? Yeah, and, um, you know, good point. There's a few different numbers on there that we put out, but we gave out just a little over 25,000 cans of beer, um, which is uh, 10,000 litres of beer. Um, so uh, quite a bit of beer. We only uh, estimated about 20,000 cans, and we had to dip into uh, some other stock that we had uh, just to keep uh, um, giving it out that day. So Okay, so it was 25,000 cans, not 35. Yeah, 25,000, correct. Okay. So obviously people like their free beer, Mike. What kind of reactions did you get from oh, people as they were was, pulling in? It was overwhelming. It was anything from this is the, the best day of my life to, you know, some, some folks were in tears because, um, you know, they've just got off a long shift and, you know, they're already kind of at the brink and, and very tired and, and very appreciative of it. And, uh I mean, we were completely taken back and overwhelmed by this, and, and so much so that, you know, we planned to, to continue till Sunday, but we've had to um, stop that after the after one day. Um, we simply don't have any more beer. So, um, you know, so that's uh, the response was, was a lot more than we expected, uh, which, was, which was great. Well, and I tip my cap to you as well, Mike, yeah. because, I mean, hey, this is a great thing that you did. Uh, you know, it's an, an amazing gesture that you've provided to healthcare workers. But uh, the number of times we've said Trans-Canada Brewing this morning, you guys got yourselves some decent publicity out of this. No, absolutely not. And, of course, it goes without saying, I mean, we, do, we don't intend to, uh, we didn't think it would go this big. Um, and our team wanted to do that not as a, a promotion or a way to sell our beer, but just to do good in the community. And, and all of us on our team are just, just surprised that it, it you know, took off like it did. Anyone upset with the traffic jam that was caused, or were most people understanding, do you think, along the way? Well, I mean, there, there was a few people, obviously, when you're, you're waiting, and, and some of our customers that you know, came to order pizza and whatnot um, were kind of stuck in our parking lot for a good 20 minutes. So, um, But more or less, everybody was really understanding um, you know, when they found out what we were doing and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, all in all, I think, uh, um, you know, people were okay. Um, 
uh, with the situation and with your help, we're, we're kind of addressing that right now. So. so when it comes to local beer, Mike, before we let you go, I mean, there are, it's gotten to a point now where I can't, like, there are so many, I can't even name them all off the top of my head. It used to be there were just a handful, and now there are so many. So, like, how do you come up with ideas to help you, like, help your product stand out? Like, is, it, is the market becoming too competitive, or is that a good thing? No, I, I think it's a great thing. I mean, it's it's a booming industry. And we're we're a young craft beer market, um, so I think um, bringing new products to market, looking at what everyone's doing, bringing new ideas, I think it helps and benefits everyone in the industry. Um, and what we've seen is just you know our customers are are curious and interested in trying new products. Um, so it is competitive, but I think it's uh, we all work together, and um, there's lots of room for everybody um, in the market, and and just you know, enjoy introducing people to the new, new styles of beer. Well, Brett, Mike, we just got a photo in from Tara, picture of her. And I think it's her partner. They're, they're enjoying a can of your beer last night. And she says, these two healthcare workers are very thankful. So thank you for joining us and for what you folks did last night. And if I could add Brett, great pizza there too. Oh, do you, that's right. Yeah. Fantastic you guys, pizza. Okay. Hey, Mike, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it, sir. No, thank you, and uh, great work to what you guys are doing each and every day as well. So um, oh. thank you guys, too. Thanks. Oh, and before I'd be remiss without saying the other day, Mike, that I tried uh, the blueberry ale, uh, which has really clever art, uh, Loren, because it's uh, got a polar bear on the front, and blueberry is spelled uh, like B-E-A-R, uh, but it's yeah. like a blueberry beer. <laughs> and it's delicious, Mike, so thank you for uh, making a tasty beer. No, that's great to, uh, great to hear, and uh, thank you for your support. We appreciate that. 8.57 on 6.80 CJOB. Very good. That's what you should have said. It's very good. I, 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 I basically <laughs> served it up to myself, and I missed it. What an idiot. Good thing you're there to catch me, though. I'm <laughs> sorry. I had to get Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.